Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the Feast of the Ascension of the Lord. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gladden us with holy joys, Almighty God, and make us rejoice with devout thanksgiving. For the ascension of Christ your Son is our exaltation. And where the head has gone before in glory, the body is called to follow in hope. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. In my earlier work, Theophilus, I dealt with everything Jesus had done and taught from the beginning until the day he gave his instructions to the apostles he had chosen through the Holy Spirit, and was taken up to heaven. He had shown himself alive to them after his passion by many demonstrations. For forty days he had continued to appear to them and tell them about the kingdom of God. When he had been at table with them, he told them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for what the Father had promised. It is, he had said, What you have heard me speak about, John baptized with water, but you, not many days from now, will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now having met together, they asked him, Lord, has the time come? Are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know times or dates that the Father has decided by his own authority but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you will be my witnesses, not only in Jerusalem, but throughout Judea and Samaria, and indeed the ends of the earth. As he said this, he was lifted up while they looked on, and a cloud took him from their sight. They were still staring into the sky when suddenly two men in white were standing near them, and they said, Why are you men from Galilee standing here looking into the sky? Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven. This same Jesus will come back in the same way as you have seen him go there. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God mounts his throne to shouts of joy, a blare of trumpets for the Lord. God mounts his throne to shouts of joy, a blare of trumpets for the Lord. All peoples, clap your hands, cry to God with shouts of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, we must fear, great King over all the earth. God mounts his throne to shouts of joy, a blare of trumpets for the Lord. God goes up with shouts of joy. The Lord goes up with trumpet blast. Sing praise for God, sing praise. Sing praise to our King, sing praise. God mounts his throne to shouts of joy, a blare of trumpets for the Lord. God is king of all the earth, sing praise with all your skill. God is king over the nations, God reigns on his holy throne. God mounts his throne to shouts of joy, a blare of trumpets for the Lord. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. May the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, give you a spirit of wisdom and perception of what is revealed, 
to bring you to the to full knowledge of him. May he enlighten the eyes of your mind so that you can see what hope his call holds for you, what rich glories he has promised the saints will inherit, and how infinitely great is the power that he has exercised for us believers. This you can tell from the strength of his power at work in Christ, when he used it to raise him from the dead and to make him sit at his right hand in heaven, far above every sovereignty, authority, power, or domination, or any other name that can be named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. He has put all things under his feet and made him as the ruler of everything, the head of the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills the whole creation. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Go and teach all people my gospel. I am with you always until the end of the world. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus showed himself to the eleven and said to them, Go out to the whole world. Proclaim the good news to all creation. He who believes and is baptised will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. These are the signs that will be associated with believers. In my name they will cast out devils. They will have the gift of tongues. They will pick up snakes in their hands and be unharmed should they drink deadly poison. They will lay their hands on the sick who will recover. And so the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven. There at the right hand of God he took his place. While they, going out, preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, and confirming the word by the signs that accompanied it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to take a risk. In certain Catholic circles, it's very dangerous to do this, but i got to be honest. I'm not a big fan of the Lord of the Rings. Now, I know I'm supposed to like it. It's got a lot of Christian themes in it. It's a masterpiece. But you know what? I just, I don't like fantasy. All right? There, I said it. Now, I remember, you know, under a sense of loyalty, uh, I went and saw The Lord of the Rings uh, at the movies when it came out. Um, And look, I can appreciate it's, you know, Amazing storyline and and beautifully shot, but it's just not my thing. Um, So I don't know if you know the story, but the whole thrust is that there's a ring that's imbued with tremendous power. uh, And Lord Sauron, who's sort of the personification of all the forces of evil, is trying to get a hold of the ring so that he can have absolute power over the world. Anyway, the whole story revolves around a little midget hobbit called Frodo. Uh, and he has to destroy the ring by throwing it into a volcano in Mordor, and he has to do this while the armies of evil are searching for him and for the ring. Well, if you haven't seen the movie, just block your ears for a second. Because after all sorts of wars and battles, challenges and temptations, Frodo manages to get rid of the ring, and then there's this magnificent moment of victory. The ring's gone, 
uh, and, you know, evil has been vanquished. Um, but, okay, yes, true fans of the movie will disapprove, but I thought that the last movie, the last of the trilogy, was just too long. Oh, you know, you'd think that after the whole story about the ring was done, that the great victory had been won, the movie would wrap up pretty quickly. But no, it goes on. Scene after scene, tying up all the loose ends of the story, bringing everything to a conclusion. There were like three or four endings to this movie. And just when you thought it was over, there was another scene at a different location. Oh, each time I thought the credits would start rolling, but instead another scene had come up. Well, (laughs) in some ways, I think we can have a similar attitude to the ascension of Christ into heaven. Like the whole narrative thrust of the Gospels is building up this intrigue and conflict between Jesus, the son of God, uh, and the chief priests and the scribes and Pharisees. And it results in the great tragedy of our Lord's suffering and crucifixion. And then there's the incredible climactic moment where we see Christ's victory being made manifest in the resurrection. Boom. He's alive. The tomb's left empty. And Jesus appears in the locked room where the apostles are cowering for fear of the Jews. The resurrection's this incredible moment where we see this amazing reversal. The forces of evil did their worst. They threw everything they had at Jesus and appeared to be victorious. The disciples defeated, dejected, darkness reigned. But no, Christ conquers all the forces of evil and darkness. He's more powerful than the worst they can throw at him. And there he stands triumphant with his wounds as a testament to his glory. Marvellous. I suspect if there was a gospel according to Steven Spielberg, that's probably where the story would end with this great dramatic scene of Christ returning to his apostles. Which, you know, sort of makes the ascension feel a bit like a clumsy ending to the life of Christ. You know, a bit like the Lord of the Rings. It feels like we've gotten to the conclusion of the story, but, you know, we're looking for all the rest of the stuff, you know, just to tie itself off and it all appears a little bit incidental or anticlimactic. Now, I've spoken to aficionados of The Lord of the Rings before uh, about my sense that the movie's just too darn long. (laughs) Uh, And they're outraged, just plain old outraged, because the endings, they're they're all important. You you know, you've you've got to talk about this. You've got to talk about that, you know. And, And the finish, like, it makes much more sense when, you know, you sort of see it in a broader context. Um, Okay, fine. Um... Well, maybe we've got to ask the same of the Ascension then. If it feels a bit anticlimactic, like, what are we missing? What's the big deal? What's going on in the Ascension that makes it so important and not just a superfluous detail, you know, like one ending too many? Well, to get a sense of what's going on, we need to try and read this text as a Jewish person would understand it. Now, One of the important features of the ancient temple in Jerusalem was that it was divided into sections, right? You had the outer courtyard that was known as the court of the Gentiles, like non-Jews were permitted to enter there. Uh, And then there was a women's court where Jewish women were permitted. And then there was the court of Israel where only Jewish men were permitted. Uh, And then you go further into the temple and you go to the court of the priests and only priests of the temple can go there until finally you get to the sanctuary. And within the sanctuary is the Holy of Holies, the most sacred place in the temple. 
Now, think of the Holy of Holies as a bit like an umbilical cord that linked heaven and earth, God and humanity. This was the place where God reigned over his people. The Holy of Holies, it was, it was like the throne room in a palace. And no one was permitted to enter the Holy of Holies. Under pain of death, the Holy of Holies was kept sacred and undefiled by human hands. Only once a year was the high priest permitted to enter. And it was on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Uh, And the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies with the blood of a bull and a goat. He would offer the blood of a bull for the atonement of his own sins. And then he would offer the blood of the goat in atonement for the sins of the people. He was the one who offered the sacrifice on behalf of the people that would reconcile them to God. That would be for the forgiveness of their sins. And this was the ritual way in which Israel tried to remain in right relationship with God. This was how Israel stayed close to God. Now, the thing about the temple for the Israelites is that it was a mirror of heaven. The rituals and worship that was done by the people in the temple, it was only an image. It was only a figure of the worship that was offered to God in heaven. A kind of reflection So, knowing the background of the Jewish heritage and ritual, let's take a quick look at the ascension of Jesus. Now, we hear that Jesus is taken up to heaven, to the right hand of God, right? He's taken up into the eternal holy of holies, the inner chamber of the universe, right? Heaven itself. But here's the thing. Instead of coming back out, he stays there. You see, the high priest on the Feast of the Atonement would offer the sacrifice and then, you know, head back on out to the people. But instead, Jesus remains there in his human nature. He's there as our representative, the everlasting bridge of reconciliation between God and man. And so, you know, through faith in Christ, we've no more doubts that our sins can be forgiven. You know, we don't have to wait for the Day of Atonement. We can live constantly in right relationship with God, knowing that Jesus is our intercessor. He is the mediator between God and man. And so here's the thing. The ascension of Christ is not just an add-on ending to the earthly life of Christ. It's not just a convenient way of explaining why you can't sort of run up and see Jesus right now. But it's the fulfillment of his role as mediator between God and man. And if you think about it, it's an incredible moment. Our Lord Jesus, seated at the right hand of God in his humanity. He is how high human flesh has been raised. And this is the confidence that we too can obtain when we place our hope in the blood of this lamb. Jesus, the high priest, offers the perfectly acceptable blood of the Lamb of God himself and obtains for us true forgiveness for our sins. But instead of coming out of the Holy of Holies back to the people, he draws his people into the Holy of Holies. He is the bridge that leads into the throne room 
into the holy presence of God. We are washed clean in his blood and we are made ready for eternity with God in heaven. So the ascension, it's not just, you know, an added extra bit. It's the culmination. And it points to our destiny. Did you catch the opening prayer for today? Listen to it again. Gladden us with holy joys, almighty God, and make us rejoice with devout thanksgiving. For the ascension of Christ your Son is our exaltation. And where the head has gone before in glory, the body is called to follow in hope. There's our destiny. That we who are incorporated into the body of Christ might follow where Jesus, our head and our shepherd, has gone before. The Holy of Holies is for us, in him and through him. And so we pray, praised be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.